The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. Happy Pi Day, everybody. It's 314, March the 14th, 2022. And if you don't know why I called it Pi Day, I, uh, sorry. I, yeah, it's 314, 3.14 is mathematical pi. Anyway, uh, we have much more to talk about than mathematics today. Today is a beautiful day in the world of sports, a beautiful day in the city of Tucson. And uh, we are glad to be here with you on this uh, beautiful Monday. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Monday. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And uh, we have just a, I mean, it's, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest with you. I mean, I could begin just about anywhere and end up, you know, kind of in the in a, in a myriad of things to discuss as the NCAA brackets are out Arizona has brought home another trophy in Tommy Lloyd's first head coaching season here in Arizona. Uh, I mean, so many things. There's a guy named Tom Brady who was in the news yesterday. I, I mean, I wasn't really paying much attention. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I'll catch up with it later. I'll figure out why he's trending later on. Right now I'm focused on college basketball. Shame on you, Tom Brady. <laughs> Shame on you. I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, amongst a, a, a myriad of other things. The Phoenix Suns had, like, they couldn't miss last night against the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, could not miss. And I couldn't be happier because I may have laid down a little bit more money than I was comfortable with on that game and uh, came through. So I was pretty happy about that. But, neither, again, neither here nor there. Uh, plenty of stuff to get into today. But let's start with Arizona's domination in the Pac-12 tournament without their point guard, Kirk Creesa, who went down with the ankle injury. And, folks, if you if you have access to Twitter, okay, and I know, I know many of you do not, and that's fine. Listen, if I didn't do this for a living, I would not be anywhere near Twitter. It is a cesspool of trolling and horrible just excuses for people to be awful to one another. It's terrible. There is no excuse for that, but you know what I mean. An access for people to be awful to one another. So if, if I didn't do this, I would not have Twitter. So trust me, I do not blame you if you don't have it. If you do have it and you are not following Kirk Creesa, first of all, he's a must-follow. He's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's funny to, to, to follow him because um, like, it, it's one of those things like, hey, Kurt, like maybe don't pull back the curtain so far. He doesn't care. He's like, here's the wizard and, and throws the curtain back and takes pictures and posts it all over his social media. It's pretty funny, actually. Um, he posted a picture uh, late, late last night of his ankle. Like, it doesn't look like a human's ankle. Like, it's, it is it is brutal looking. I mean, <clears throat> I've had my fair share of sprains, ankle sprains, uh, shoulder sprains, things like that in my lifetime. And I, I never had a, a, an ankle or a shoulder look like his does. Like, it looks like... The, the bruising that is around his ankle looks like it was shattered and that it's going to be needing surgery with multiple pins put in it and stuff. Like, it's that bad. 
the good news is, is the swelling wasn't all that bad. Justin Kokoski and the training staff have done a miraculous job, as they always do, uh, in getting that swelling down. That's the most important thing, getting the swelling down. That is the most important. You cannot rehab it if you don't, if, if the swelling is still there. So, um, Kerr, the swelling is gone. It looks like somebody, it looks like he owes the mob money and they took it out on his ankle. <laughs> like, if you catch my drift. It's brutal looking. Um, and then he posted uh, a video of him working out in the swimming pool. He was kind of on, you know, one leg kind of just doing calf raises in the water. And it's kind of cool. They have like an underwater camera so that he can watch himself on the television monitor of him doing the calf raise. So everybody can see he's doing it right. And he's not, you know, putting too much weight on that on that heel part. Um, cool stuff. Anyway, it's fun to watch his, his rehab. And, you know, it's just fun to watch Kerr anyways. You know, he posts all kinds of great pictures and fun things on there. But uh, the ankle picture this morning it was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning. First thing I saw, I, I, 4.45 this morning, I rub my eyes and I immediately just go to Twitter uh, like, all right, what happened overnight? What did I miss? And boom, there it was. I was like, oh, my God. Who put this alien's leg on my on my Twitter feed? That's uh, Kerr Kreese's ankle is what that is. Um, tough kid. And we'll talk about Kerr uh, throughout the week because, obviously, his rehabilitation leading towards Arizona's first-round matchup and potentially second-round matchup are going to be paramount for Arizona's success, in my opinion. So let's begin. Let's turn back the clock a little bit to Friday night. Arizona taking on Colorado because obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about it yet. Arizona's taking on Colorado, and uh, you know it was a game that it started off, and you're like, oh boy, this is <laughs> this is not looking good because Colorado had made I think five of their first six three pointers. They were just absolutely on fire. They came out on fire from uh, from beyond the arc, and. You notice something a little bit different in Arizona's defense. Like, they weren't really closing out on the three-point shooters. They were just kind of letting it fly. But they made sure that they were boxing out. They were playing good fundamentals in the paint, keeping Colorado off the glass, which is always so, so vital uh, when you play Tad Boyle's teams. And they basically just completely shut off the paint from anybody trying to even get in there. Like, forget about it. Like, don't even try to drive and then kick or drive and score, you're not going to get through the wall that uh, Arizona had built around the basket. And that's exactly what they did. And it was very different for Arizona to get that kind of look. And then I thought what was maybe the most interesting thing about that game just overall, or that or that whole evening, was the press conference after the after the game was over. When Tommy Lloyd, first of all, goes to the table – with a pair of spectacles in his hand, which I've never seen before. I'm like, oh, my God, he wears glasses? Like, that was the first thing I said. <laughs> I didn't know Tommy Lloyd wore glasses. I've never seen Tommy Lloyd with a pair of glasses in, in his hands since since he's come to Tucson, ever since I was watching uh, Gonzaga basketball or anything like that. Never seen Tommy Lloyd with a pair of specs in his hand. So he comes to the table with a pair of glasses in his hands. I'm like, okay, well, that, that's, a, uh, that's a, a, a new addition to the uh, Tommy Lloyd wardrobe. And he sits down, he starts talking about the game and specifically into the game plan and begins to speak about his assistant coaches, those assistant coaches being associate head coach Jack Murphy, Steve Robinson, who is in his first year here at Arizona after coming over from Roy Williams' staff at North Carolina, and Ricardo Foyce, very, very young 
uh, energetic assistant coach that he got, that Tommy Lloyd was able to get from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he was with the Phoenix Suns for the last two seasons. And the the game plan that those three assistants had come up with, I don't know exactly which ones it was. Um, I have a really good idea. But we're going to give credit to all three of them because Tommy did. And Tommy Lloyd got emotional, like choked up, started like getting, uh, you, you know, <laughs> You get that lump in your throat, and you start kind of tearing up a little bit, talking about his assistants. His assistants had to talk him in to playing a very, very uncomfortable style of defense that Tommy Lloyd is not accustomed to to running. The strategy was to essentially just, I mean, literally build a wall around the basket. Do not let Colorado into the paint, that you're going to have to live and die with them shooting three-pointers. And... It was an interesting strategy because, it, first of all, it, it did two things. Number one, it kept Colorado from getting easy buckets. Colorado was the number one three-point shooting team in the conference this year. I mean, they, and far and away, the number one three-point. They were the most volume three-point shooting team and the most effective three-point shooting team in the conference. They were very, very good shooting the three-pointer, which, you know, going into that game, I was like, you know, if Colorado gets hot, it could be a problem. Like we saw what happened in Boulder. I mean, that thing just started to roll downhill, and they just it was a swell. Um, but Arizona said, okay, look, we're going to let you shoot. We know you're going to make your threes. We're just going to let you have them. You're not going to score in the paint. Because if we can limit all of the other points that you get, and they did, then we believe we have a better chance of winning this game. We believe we can outscore you, essentially. Because we're going to get our buckets the way that we always do. And they did. They scored 82 points in the game. Uh, Zulus Tabellas had an uh, as good as Jabari Walker was in the first half with his 17 points and his six three pointers or five three pointers in, in the first half. Zulus Tabellas was better. He had 18 points. I think he had six rebounds in the first half as well. Like he had a game's worth of statistics in the first half. And in the second half, it was Arizona's defense and free throw shooting that uh, that did them all the you know all the wealth in the world. I mean they were they missed one free throw in the game. Shot 96 percent free throws uh, in that game. And it made a huge difference. The the press conference, Tommy Lloyd getting choked up talking about his assistants, basically saying like, and I you know I have the quote in front of me. I'm not. I mean, you guys have seen the the, the press conference, but you know, saying that that he he basically gave a piece of himself. Like, I'm trusting you guys. Like, I'm I'm putting my trust in you to get us this win. Speaking about his assistant coaches, I'm going to trust you guys and we're going to roll with it, and we're going to see what happens. And if we lose, we lose. If we win, we get to play another day. And the assistant coaches came through because that was that was the right strategy because Colorado shot 8 of 30 from two-point land. They were 16 of 32. Set a new Pac-12 tournament record for most three-pointers made in a tournament game. 16 of 32. You tell me any team that's going to survive – against an opponent who goes 16 of 32 from beyond the arc. It's going to be real difficult. I mean, unless that team is just like, you know, if it's like, I don't want to say Princeton because they ticked me off this weekend, but (laughs) nonetheless, it was like Princeton who just stands out there with four guys around the three-point line just shooting the ball. Okay, maybe. But other than that, most teams will get that 16 of 32, and then they'll also get, 
ah, 22, 24 points in the paint and get, you know, 11, 12, 13 points at the free throw line and probably win the game by seven or eight points. And that's even if they're, you know, they're not playing a, a you know, a, t- a bad team or a team that's worse than them at least. But Arizona keeps uh, Colorado 8 of 30 from inside the arc, which is remarkable. And 8 of 10 from the free throw line. You don't foul three-point shooters, you're going to be fine. You just let them shoot the ball, and that's that's okay. Uh, so a total right there, I mean, 16 is 24 points. You hold a team to 24 points inside the arc, you're going to win those games. And I mean, like that's like 98th percentile right there. Teams that don't that score twenty four points inside the arc and at the free the combined inside the arc and at the free throw line don't win basketball games unless they have like the world's greatest defense. Colorado does not. <laughs> so the plan worked perfectly, and Tommy was very emotional about it. That's the first time I've ever seen that kind of of emotion out of Tommy. And this look, this was a very emotional weekend for Coach Tommy Lloyd. He 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 got emotional a couple of times. He was at the podium after the game on Saturday. And was emotional. He was emotional after the uh, after the Wildcats beat Cal at uh, at McHale Center to you know essentially allow them the opportunity to celebrate and cut down the nets. He was very emotional. The the the, uh, uh, the deputy commissioner for the Pac-12 was there, gave Tommy the trophy, the Pac-12 trophy. I mean, it was it was really cool stuff. It was very emotional for Tommy in his first year as a head coach. I mean, imagine, imagine like you know you're Tommy Lloyd. You're sitting on the bench at Gonzaga with Mark View for 21, 22 years. You have all the success in the world. You're, I mean, you're considered – I mean, there was an article written about him, I think it was six years ago, six or seven years ago, that he was the best assistant coach in all of college basketball that nobody's ever heard of before. I mean, that was like the article that was written about, a big national article. You know, and he decides, he says uh, – I'm the coach in waiting at Gonzaga, and I love my job, and I love where I'm at here in Spokane, and this is, you know, this is all great and wonderful. But there's, there is one job that I would leave this post for. And lo and behold, that job came available to him, and he's like, yep. He jumped at the opportunity when Dave Hickey offered him, and he came in here in his first year, realized he just had a great group of guys that Sean Miller had recruited, had to go out and re-recruit a couple of them, right, to get him to stay here. Goes on a run of well now 31 wins versus three losses in his first season. Yeah, it's emotional, man. Like I would be emotional too. We all would. It's a it's a very deeply satisfying and almost kind of dreamlike situation for Tommy Lloyd. So, the fact that he was emotional, I thought that was uh, it was uh, it was it was nice. It was it was nice to see some um you know, in, in this world of sports where coaches just do nothing but give coach speak to the media, it was nice to see a little bit of, of, of humanity in there, right? A little bit of, of uh, you know, personification, if you will, of the, the facade that normally is a head coach at a press conference table. So that was a huge win for Arizona because what that did is it allowed them to avenge their most recent loss of the season, a bad loss that they had on the road, they needed to swallow that pill and move on from that game, and they absolutely did. They beat uh, they beat Colorado eighty two seventy two, and had to come back in that game. You know, obviously down early, like I you know like I mentioned, and just put the locks on in, in defensively in the second half, and uh, said you, you're just not you're just not going to score. You're going to have to shoot for every every basket you make. You're going to have to shoot that ball from twenty two feet away. 
to if you if you want to win this game. It was a brilliant uh, a brilliant design, and it just showed not only that this team has they're more than just a one trick pony. And I mean, when you when nationally when people think about Arizona, there's gonna be like oh high powered offense, and they just run and gun and blah 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 blah. And we watch this team and just how technical they are defensively, and it is really really impressive. People. Just looking ahead, okay. When I was, I, I haven't, I really haven't dived into the brackets or dove into the brackets uh, all that deeply yet. Um, obviously, looked closely at the South bracket. I wanted to see what Arizona had in front of them in a potential trip to the Final Four, who they were going to have to get through. We'll talk about the brackets more in the next couple of days, obviously. <clears throat> but in looking at their potential second round opponent, the first round opponent is going to be a play-in team. I, okay, I'm not going to sit here and be like, let's just completely forget about him because 16, uh, 16 did beat a one one time in the history of the tournament, and it could happen again. But it's not going to happen to this team. Anyway, if you look at their, their potential second-round opponents, Seton Hall and TCU, whichever, whichever team comes out of that 8-9 game, they're considered two of the best defensive teams in the country. When you, when you hear – National media and stuff talk about Seton Hall and, uh, you know, guys, you know, talk about the Big 12 and how good the Big 12 was this year and how TCU is one of the best defensive teams in the conference and one of the best defensive teams in the country. And you go to Ken Palm and their defensive efficiency is slated below Arizona's. Arizona's right now the number 20 defensive team in the country in, in terms of the Ken Palm metrics. I think TCU is 24 and Seton Hall is 26. So <laughs> to hear that. You know, Arizona's oh, run and gun. I just heard this morning, Seth Greenberg on ESPN this morning, picked Arizona to win the championship and was like, yeah, people can't keep up with them. They're run and gun style and blah, blah, You know what it is? Omar Balo getting six block shots in 14 minutes of a championship game in the tournament against UCLA, setting a new Arizona record in limited minutes. Ten block shots from Umar Balo and Christian Coloco in that game. It's about Dale and Terry going out there and locking down Whichever ball handler he is, he's assigned to in that particular possession or in that particular scheme. It's about the players setting up a wall when they're playing a defense that they haven't played all season long because the assistant coaches said, this is what we need to do to win this game. It is the most adaptive team in the country. And, I, look, I've watched, I've watched a lot of college basketball. Of course, I cover this team, and I see this team more than – I see any other teams combined. It's true. But they are the most adaptive team in the country. To be able to go out there and win a game against Stanford the way that they did in a rough and tumble, let's get physical, have to grind it out. Stanford was had decided to change up their scheme altogether. They were going to try to run with Arizona and try to just outscore them and beat them up as best they can. That was like that was it. We're going to play physical, we're going to play fast. That's it. That was basically Jared Hass's his his concoction to try to beat Arizona after going 0-2 this year against them already. Then against Colorado. Colorado's like, we're going to run our stuff. We're the best three-point shooting team in the conference. And we're going to grab rebounds. Well, Arizona limited them in the rebounding and in the paint and won the game. Then you had to turn around and play UCLA, one of the best defensive – they are one of the best defensive teams in the country with a lot of really talented offensive players as well. Juzang, Tiger – Jaime, I mean, all very talented offensive players. And Arizona had to find 
a way to basically just say, we're going to go on a run, and you're not going to be able to fight back after that run. We're going we're to we're gonna lock you down. We're going to take five minutes off the clock, essentially. We're going to take five minutes off the clock where you don't score. And they, they, just, they just dedicated themselves to it. It is the most focused and most adaptable team in the entire country. Period. End of story. And anyone who says differently has not been watching this team play. So what happened in the game against UCLA? Well, we'll talk about that coming up just after the break here because uh, I still want to get into that because it was an important game for Arizona. There were people, there were national media picking UCLA to win the national championship before Saturday's game occurred. What happened Saturday night that vaulted Arizona to the Pac-12 championship? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, basketball fans, it's the Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets Challenge. If you have the best bracket, there are chances to win big prizes from Tucson Appliance Company and from Corona. Just go to ESPNTucson.com. That's our wonderful website where you can find all kinds of great things. Fill out your bracket. You can't miss it. It literally, like, when you go to ESPNTucson.com, the little graphic floats down right in front of you. It's click here, and you can just jump right in uh, right there. Fill out your bracket. Uh, Make sure you do it before the first game tips off on Thursday at 9 a.m. You also must be 18 or older. The rules are on there. Uh, at ESPNTucson.com. But here's what you can win, all right? Third place gets a $100 Visa gift card, which will get you about a half a tank of gas right now, but, hey, it's worth it. Second place is a Corona prize package valued at $250. Now, Mary and I were just talking about this off air because what the prize pack includes is a, a it, you get a Corona patio umbrella, you get a $50 Visa gift card, which is, you know, a couple you know, splashes of, of gas at the uh, gas station. And you get a 40-quart Grizzly cooler, Grizzly-branded cooler. Now, Mary has, she has experience with the Grizzly coolers, how amazing they are. I've used one that's very, very similar to a Grizzly, not name-brand Grizzly, but same thing, right? First of all, folks, those are $300 a piece. Like the 40 quarts, they're 300 bucks. So... This price packet says it's valued at two fifty. It's valued at more than that, like because the the Grizzly cooler is three hundred. You get a fifty dollars Visa gift card, and then you get a Corona patio umbrella too. Big prize. Like second place is a good prize, really. And then first prize, first prize five hundred dollar Visa gift card, which is a lot of gasoline. You could if you have a diesel truck, you could probably fill up your diesel with that gift card, which is you know it's worth something. <laughs> So go to ESPNTucson.com, jump in on the March brackets there. Good luck, and uh, may the uh, – listen, I was telling Mary off the, off the air, I said, you know, I, I think I know somebody who could help you with your bracket, fill out your bracket, although I have not been great at filling out brackets. Now, two years ago, I finished very, very high in the ESPN National. Uh, I was either 77th or 177th. I don't remember. I didn't win anything, <laughs> but – I was really high out of like 3 million people that had filled out that bracket. I fit it. it was either 77th or 177th. It was somewhere around there. Anyway, I did really, really well two years ago. 
And then I won a, uh, a like a big uh, like a big bracket challenge. It was like ten or twelve years ago. I don't remember what it was. But other than that, my brackets have largely stunk. Like usually, right around like the first Saturday or Sunday, uh, I'll put out my proverbial picture of my bracket going into a trash can with me holding a lighter up to it. It's just basically like it's time to burn the bracket. It's over. It's dead. It's done. So we'll see what happens this year. I will obviously be uh, revealing what my bracket is coming up before the uh, before the games on uh, on Thursday, and then uh, you know we'll have all that fun for you there, and we can pick some stuff and we can share some of our brackets online with each other and just have a good old time. Look, it's it's the best, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't care what the Christmas song says. March Madness is the most wonderful time of the year, especially if you're a Wildcat fan. I don't know how bad it must be to be a Sun Devil fan. It must really suck, specifically this time of year. So, uh, but for us, hey, it's great, and uh, Arizona gets the number one seed. So, lots to talk about in that. The Wildcats dominated the second half against UCLA on Saturday night, winning the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Championship by a score of 84-76. to Now, the most important statistic of this game, the, mo- the single most important thing that happened in this game was the final 17-minute scoring run by Arizona. They took UCLA to the woodshed in the final 17 minutes of that game. UCLA had their biggest lead of the game, 53-41 I think it was. It was a 12-point lead with just over 17 minutes to go. In the final 17 minutes of that game, Arizona outscored UCLA by a score of 43-23 to and take home the win 84 to 76. Just, I mean, uh, remarkable, uh, just a, a, a fantastic run by Arizona. Again, predicated by their defense. 23 points in the final 17 minutes for UCLA, and it's not like they weren't trying. And poor little Mick Cronin, bitching and moaning in the press conference after the game. <laughs> Somebody went there in the press conference and asked him if the crowd was had an effect on the outcome of the game, and he just about lost it. Like, he basically dismissed the Wildcat crowd, says crowd has no bearing whatsoever on the outcomes of games. I mean, yeah, you could say that, but then you'd also be a hypocrite because this is the same program who refused to play home games until the city of Los Angeles was cleared, uh, cleared uh, fans to come to their games. They wouldn't play them. So so which one is it, Mick? Is it that fans have zero outcome in games, and it doesn't matter whether you play in front of one fan or one million fans, the game is decided on the court? Or, or is it the same person, the same individual, the same collective of people who said, we're not going to play home games until, we're, until our fans are allowed to be at the games because they help us win games? Come on, man. Don't be that transparent. I mean, I know he's he's as an angry man and he has, you know, all kinds of confrontational problems. He tried it again on Saturday night with Tommy, tried it again. <laughs> tried to get in Tommy's head. That's what he does. He he goes after coaches, he goes after players, he tries to get after people, he tries to get under your skin. He's confrontational. He tries to tries to to bring you in. He's like that He's like a uh, he's like a boxer 
that only has a short game, like only has the inside game, and just continues to do things to try to get you inside where he can maul you and beat you up and, you know, head butts and shoulders and elbows and stuff like that and, and punches to the back when the referee's you know, not looking and things. Like, he's that guy. And he's like, nobody wants, nobody wants to play that guy. Nobody wants – like, he, as a kid, I, he probably had no one to play with. I get it. Like, he's probably really angry his entire life. And it sucks to be Mick Cronin right now because you've just lost again to Arizona. And they got the four seed, which is, look, that's good for UCLA. And I don't think their bracket is all that, uh, like all that, yeah, I, mean, I guess, you know, this, their second game would be the winner of the Texas-Virginia Tech game. But then it's like, well, there's uh, Purdue and Murray and Kentucky and eh, some pretty good, pretty good teams in there. But, again, this was a team that I saw one, at least one national host, I don't remember who it was, picked UCLA to win the national championship on Saturday before before the championship game in the Pac-12. Not sure if that person has changed their tune today, but nonetheless, they said UCLA's got it all. They, you know, they've got the experience, and yeah, they do have experience. Uh, doesn't equate to much when you go, what were they, three of 18 down the stretch shooting the ball? They couldn't, they couldn't make a basket. Arizona's defense was too good. Arizona's too big and too good. Period. They're the better basketball team. They had a clunker earlier in Los Angeles. That happens. They had a clunker earlier in Boulder. That happens. The clunkers are over. This team is focused. They're ready to go. And I'll tell you what the most important thing about this whole, I mean, this whole process, the most important thing that could have happened for Arizona. Next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Monday, Friday, 314-22. And, uh... Talking some college basketball here. We've got other stuff to get into. Trust me. Later on in the show, we got plenty of things to get into. NFL. Some guy named Tom Brady making the headlines yesterday, trying to uh, wrestle away the media's attention from Selection Sunday. What a jerk! <laughs> Talk about that coming up a little bit later on. What was the most important thing that happened for Arizona over the weekend? I mean, obviously, beating beating Colorado was a big thing. I mean, that was your last revenge game, essentially, right? I mean, I know coaches don't like to talk about it. They're like, oh, revenge games, wow, they're overblown. They're, they're for the fans and for the media. Trust me. <laughs> it's not just for the fans and the media. Coaches think about that stuff. Players do, too. They want to get that taste out of their mouth. They want to beat that team that just beat them. And that was the most recent team that had beaten Arizona was Colorado. So they've avenged two of their losses this year. And they'll have an opportunity for a third, possibly, but we'll talk about that later. So the most important thing that happened for Arizona this weekend, it wasn't the development of Dalen Terry uh, at the handle because Justin Kyer was in foul trouble early in that game. Vern Harris, by the way, my God, how bad of an official has he become? Like, I mean, really, like over the last couple of years, it's gotten really bad. Vern has become one of the worst Pac-12 officials. And he was Before, he was lauded. You know, he was considered like the best Pac-12 official. He was a Final Four and all this other stuff. Yeah, just 
bad call after bad call in that UCLA game. 12 fouls on Arizona in the first half is ridiculous, by the way. Probably didn't help much that the commissioner of the conference had basically said before the tournament started that he would like to see anyone except Arizona cut down the Pac-12 nets. Like, oh, my God, you can't say that, dude. Because now the officials are like, oh, the commissioner wants us to get somebody else. Other than, and if Arizona fans are going to take it and run with it, and we did. Uh, regardless, the most important thing that happened for Arizona this weekend was the fact that they get to play on Friday of the NCAA tournament instead of Thursday. I mean, I know it's only 24 hours, but those 24 hours are huge. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, the, the, the entire time, all weekend, I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm, I was thinking about it on Thursday night. I was thinking about it Friday, Saturday, and I'm like, man, if we can just get a Friday game, if we can get the Friday-Sunday. I know a lot of people don't like, a lot of teams don't like playing the Friday-Sunday. I don't think it matters. Honest, I honestly do not think it matters. But for Arizona, it mattered this year because of the picture, the aforementioned picture that I told you that's on Kirk Reese's Twitter account right now, the picture of his badly bruised ankle, the sprained ankle that he's rehabbing right now. He's going to get an extra day of rehab. The His teammates are going to get an extra day of rest. The coaches are going to get an extra day of prep and uh, you know, scheme work and, and, and film work. I just think it's it's advantageous advantageous in every aspect for Arizona that they got the Friday draw in a, as opposed to the Thursday draw. Arizona will play Friday afternoon at 4:30. They'll play the winner of the Wright State Bryant game, and I'll have look I'll have a, a, you know I'll have that for you. I watched three minutes of those two teams combined this year, so I have no idea. So I'm going to go diving into uh, some of the archives and just find out what, what these two teams are about. Um, it may not even matter. Arizona could be up 30 in the first 10 minutes, and it's, it's not even going to matter. But uh, the fact that they're playing Friday afternoon at 4.30, that game's going to be on True TV, by the way. So uh, not on the network, but that's fine. You know, a, lot of, a lot of the 16-1 games are just on the True TV, uh, the, the, you know, the, other, the optional channel. So – Getting the Friday, getting the Friday bit. Tommy Lloyd even talked about it. I think, I think he was in yesterday's press conference, right in Tucson, where he, you know, he basically said, "Look, we're happy to get the Friday because that gives Kerr an extra day." I mean, for all the things that I just mentioned, right? <laughs> uh, all the things that I just mentioned, Tommy Lloyd was you know, pleased about uh, with the fact that Arizona got the Friday draw. So, I thought that was like honestly, like the single most important thing, more important than the teams that are are that are in the South bracket with Arizona, because. And look, Arizona fans, and it, look, everybody does it. Everybody does it. I'm guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it. Everybody gets that bracket, and they start going, okay, the Elite Eight, Arizona could play Villanova. Well, there's a rematch against Tennessee. Oh, man. Like, okay. And they start looking ahead at all these teams. And then by the time you get to the Elite Eight, like the teams that you had all thought about were going to be there are gone because, you know, uh, Loyola Chicago upset Ohio State and then beat Villanova, and now they're in the Sweet 16, and they're going to be taking on Michigan, who all of a sudden got really hot and are playing, you know, for their coach and you know who's apologized and all that, blah blah blah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, those teams that we thought about might be here are not there anymore. And Tommy talked about that in his press conference yesterday too, like. He goes, what's you know, what's the one thing? You know, the, those teams, you know, looking ahead, those teams aren't going to be there. So, focus on who's right directly in front of you. Who's your next opponent? 
the, the next defined opponent, and that's the winner of the Wright State Bryant game. That game is going to be on Friday, and I thought that was the most important thing for Arizona to get the Friday game. Um, looking ahead now, expanding a little bit of the four regions: the West, the East, the South, and the Midwest. I think the South is a a winnable bracket for Arizona, but I, I mean, I could say that about every region for Arizona. I think they're the best team in the country. So, yeah, all of the regions are winnable for Arizona. People are like, oh, I don't want to play this. I don't play this team. I, I, I got to be. I'm, I'm not that person. Like, if, if, if this were a marginal team, this were a four or a five seed, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to play this team as a twelve seed. I don't want to play this team as a, as a thirteen seed. Like, I was talking to my friend. She's a, she's a, she's an Arkansas grad. She's a diehard Arkansas fan, obviously. Uh, she's all over Twitter, Arkansas game days and stuff like that. Like she's, she's nuts. Um, I told her, I'm like, if you guys get that four seed, the last 13 seed you want to play is Vermont. Like they will crush you guys. She's like, I know I'm, I'm so afraid. And they got Vermont. Like, no, like if, if I were, if, if Arizona were in that four, you know, that four 13 spot, I'd be like, please don't play Vermont. Like, just, just bad matchup. If Arizona were a marginal team, right, like you know, one of those four, five, six seeds, like something, uh, you know, like they've been before, obviously, uh, they won a national championship being in that in that position, so that's fine too. But um, I, I think Arizona is the best team in the country, so I don't mind. I, I didn't care. I just wanted to know where they would be playing. So if they got the West, they'd be Portland. If they got the Midwest, they'd be in Fort Worth. Um, if they got the East, they'd be in Fort Worth. So, they, you know, they would have been in Fort Worth, Portland, or San Diego regardless. They got San Diego, which is huge for Arizona. As I mentioned before, 17 times in the, in the 17 times Arizona has played in the tournament, okay, in the, in the tournament in the West, they've played in a Western city in the first round, okay, like where they weren't sent to, you know, Indianapolis or Chicago or, or New York or whatever. If they played in a western city, a city west of, you know, Dallas, Texas, let's say, uh, I think it's I think it's actually west of El Paso, El Paso or west. Okay, Arizona in the seventeen times they've played that they've won both games of the opening weekend thirteen of the seventeen times. In the other seventeen tournament appearances where they did not get to play in a western city in the opening weekend, they've won both games of the opening weekend four of the seventeen times. So. Huge difference for Arizona in the first weekend playing in the West. After that, it doesn't matter. Every coach, every, every you know, everybody will tell you the same thing. It doesn't matter where you play after that. If you're in the Sweet 16, you're one of the 16 elite teams in the country no matter where you play. You're playing a good team on a neutral court in front of a big crowd, period, end of story. Doesn't matter what the city name is. Doesn't matter at all. Because, you know, your, your regional requirements – are that you have to be in like a like a what is it like a like a twenty thousand seat arena? I think it is like the minimum requirement for a regional, um, and I th- actually I think it might be more now. But regardless, you're playing in front of a in, in, you're playing in a big stadium in front of a lot of people on a neutral court against a good basketball team, and that's all there is to it. That's all you need to know. The first weekend though, Arizona gets to play in San Diego, huge alumni alumni base there. And you're going to get to play teams that are traveling from the East Coast, Wright State, Bryant, Seton Hall, all traveling from the East Coast. Uh, TCU, obviously, from Fort Worth, Texas. So, so that was you know that was huge for Arizona. Beginning the Friday draw was the biggest the biggest thing of them all. So they're going to play Friday, Sunday. 
Um, I don't think we have the Sunday time yet, right? They, no, they didn't set the Sunday time yet. But the, the Saturday or the, the Friday time they did, um, that game, of course, going to be at 4.30 local time on True TV. So we'll have all of that for you. We'll break down the brackets. Uh, I'll obviously give you my picks. I think you all know exactly what I'm going to be picking for a national championship. Um, I've been talking about it for quite some time that I felt like this team was national championship caliber. Like they, I mean, they really are. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to be that person that says anything other than a final four is a disappointment (laughs) folks. We're all living on gravy right now. This is all gravy for us. It's a great team and we should celebrate that, but none of us expected this. Not a single one of us. So, not even me. Not even the most optimistic of Arizona fans. Not even me. I expected us to be good, not to be great. And we are great. So, uh, all right. So, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, some of the other news and stories about uh, college basketball, this selection Sunday had some snubs, as it always does. I don't think it was as bad this year as it has been in the past uh, a couple of teams left out, a, a top 40 net team left out, I believe, for the first time in the history of the tournament. We'll talk about that. And we have some NFL news. Lots going on. The Packers have made uh, – uh, the Packers are – well, they're making news uh, right now, as is Tom Brady. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Stay tuned right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, we can't forget about the women. Women's team, Arizona women's team gets the four seed. Uh, They will be in um, in the south. They're uh, in the Greensboro bracket. Uh, they are the four seed there, and they will be hosting a set of first-round games. They'll be taking on 13-seed UNLV in the opening round, and then we'll take on the winner of North Carolina, Stephen F. Austin, in uh, in the second game in the, in the uh, second game of that uh, first round of the women's NCAA tournament. The one seeds there: South Carolina, Stanford, Louisville, NC State. South Carolina is the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. But uh, don't sleep on UConn. UConn, a two seed, um, way down in the uh, what is it? The, like, is that the south bracket or the east bracket? I can't. I don't know which one it is. But uh, uh, basically, UConn, the number two seed there, they just got their best player back from injury, who's been gone for like two months because of injury. So look out for UConn making a run in that one. But the uh, Arizona women's basketball team, awesome. So happy for them. Look, this is. A year that a lot of people had predicted, like they weren't going to make the tournament. Like, oh, okay, no, Ari McDonald, and you know, Arizona had to deal with a lot of injuries themselves. I mean, they just got Kate Reese back. You know, Lauren Ware was injured for quite some time this season, and they've had to integrate a lot of young, new players into the lineups and the rotations. And Adia Barnes has done a phenomenal coaching job this year with that team, just to get them into the tournament, let alone hosting. So, a four seed, Arizona gets to host. So make sure that you uh, you get your tickets for the McHale Center's uh, first first round of games as uh, the women's team going to be taking on UNLV to open up the women's tournament, and uh, we'll talk more about that as well. Uh, in, in case you're wondering, the NIT number one seeds are Dayton, Oklahoma, SMU, Texas A&M. Yes, the same Texas A&M who played in the SEC championship game against Tennessee. 
yes, the same Oklahoma team that defeated two of the biggest players in the Big 12 in the Big 12 conference tournament. Champ, uh, conference tournament. Oklahoma, and I, don't quote me on this, but I think, I believe, they are the first ever top 40 net team to not make it into the NCAA tournament. They are number 40 in the net right now, and they did not make the NCAA tournament. Like, that, I, I'm almost positive that is the first time ever in the history of the NCAA tournament that a top 40 team did not make it. So that's something of note. Actually, actually, as I'm looking right now, I just changed the date to today on the NCAA website. Oklahoma's 39. <laughs> so they're not even 40 anymore. They're 39, and they still didn't make it. Seton Hall, by the way, an eight seed, and uh, potentially Arizona's second-round matchup is 37th in the net. So TCU, 44 in the net. So, again, it's not always about uh, your net ranking. has a lot of other things going in, you know, in, in play as well. And there were some interesting selections in regards to the seedings and stuff like that. I won't go into too much of it. I'm not a national college basketball analyst, so I won't talk too much about it. But when it comes time to break down the brackets, we'll talk about it a little bit. All right, hour number two, just a quick little two-minute break away. We'll come back. We'll talk some NFL. We'll have some more college basketball, some NBA. Stay tuned. Hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.